Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our So That Sermon series. This series focuses on fulfilling the Great Commission, taking the gospel of Jesus to our friends, family, communities, cities, nation, and the world. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Uh, We're going to release the kids ages uh, four through grade eight to go to their classes. So we're in the middle of this series called So That, and we kicked it off last week. As I uh, said the first service, uh, Pastor Dan gave us a killer sermon last week. And uh, if you missed it, I encourage you to go and and listen to it because it really sets up what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. And today we're going to be talking about living a so that lifestyle in our Jerusalem. And I'm going to ask Sherry and Joe DeAngelis to come up because uh, Sherry uh, shared a story with me a couple of weeks ago about how she's living a so that lifestyle. And and Joe's up here for moral support and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, getting up here and talking in front of other people can be a little uh, crazy and intimidating. So. Sherry is fresh off of a retreat, our senior high retreat last weekend, um, living uh, for an entire weekend with 10 teenage girls in a room. And I want to thank you for doing that. And so, but tell us how that happened, how you came to do that. So I got a call. It's on. It's on. So I got a call from uh, Pastor David um, explaining that he could not. Did it go out? It's on. So wait a minute. Let's go with the red one. Um, I got a call from Pastor, Pastor David um, explaining that him and, um, or his wife, Amber, um, could not lead the girls on the retreat. Um, they had gotten a phone call from their adoption. They were adopting a baby, and she had to fly out right away, and he was, uh, you know, pleading with me, could you help, could you help out? Um, so, of course, I looked to Joey, and we talked about it, and... Um, you know, God comes first in our family, and when church family needs our help, yeah. um, if we can, we try to help them out. Yeah. And um, so, uh, knowing this, I told David, you know, yes, um, but also that weekend was a cheer competition for my girls, yeah. which one was already out on an injury. Yeah. Um, but I did, you know, say, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to do this for David, help him out. Yeah. Um, and I wanted the girls to go, obviously. So, I um, told David we would do it. I also sent a text out to the coach. Mm-hmm explaining everything that, you know, God comes first in our family. This was a, a family church family situation and we were going to help them out. Um, so the girls would not be able to do that cheer competition that weekend. So I sent that text out and a few days went by and I didn't hear anything, no text back from the coach and I got a little anxious. Um, so, you know, that following Sunday, um, still hadn't heard from the coach, uh, came into church, just prayed about it and said, you know, God, just give me a sign that this will work out and yeah. we're doing the right thing. Um, so we sang it as well with my soul yeah. that day. And I just, that was just a confirmation that God was listening and yeah. that everything would work out. Yeah. So I still hadn't gotten a text from the coach, but uh, the following Tuesday at a game, uh, she had come up to me and she said, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. We'll work out the situation for the competition. You guys go. I'm glad you can help out your yeah. church family. Um, so of course I was elated. I said, thank you, God, for, you know, yeah. just hearing my prayer and everything did work out. That's cool. Well, as I said, when you shared with me, we, when we went back and forth on email, you know, I'm proud of you for, uh, 
sharing your faith like that in a, in a very uh, open and, and caring way with the coach. I'm also thankful that you went on the retreat and helped out. But, you know, I, I know that, you know, having those kind of conversations about your faith with other people can be a little nerve wracking and, and make you anxious. And, and I suspect many of us in, in the congregation feel that same way. So, so what would you say to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Just trusting God. Um, you know, just I just we talked as a family. That's important to us as a family. And, you know, whatever comes from that, you know, I just wanted to trust God and, and just hopeful that. Um, God would hear my prayer and that everybody, you know, involved would be yeah. understanding of yeah. that. Yeah, and, and to God be the glory because all that happened. So, yes. so we're grateful for you sharing that with us today. And uh, we, we want to just show you our appreciation. And, you know, I'm going to pray for you guys that you can continue to be that kind of couple that shares your faith openly. But I want to pray that prayer for all of us too. So if everybody would just hold a hand toward uh, Joe and Sherry as I pray over them. Father, I thank you for Joe and Sherry, for their faith in you, for their desire to put you first and their church family first in their lives and to be willing to talk about it when the opportunity arises. And I pray that same prayer for us, Lord, that we would all be willing to, to share what we have experienced in you as you give us those opportunities. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. Yeah. So last week we began this series with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and it's going to be on the screen again. I want to read it to you again because I just want to level set what it means to live a so that lifestyle. So here we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. So that... You may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's how God sees you. God sees you as, as a chosen race of people. Uh, your race is being part of the, the family of God. He sees you as a, as a royal priesthood that we all are ministers to God. He sees you as, as part of a holy nation that, that we're collectively a group of people that are holy to God, and he sees you as, as his possession, his sons, his daughters. And, and in, in all of that, he sees that, and he wants you to know that. Why? So that you can proclaim the praises of what he's done in your life, that he's brought you out of darkness into light. He's given you eternal life, and he's given you a reason and a purpose to live. When Peter wrote this, in my mind, he's sort of like uh, summarizing uh, the words of the Great Commission. And if you don't remember the Great Commission, we're going to put it on the screen behind you. Jesus said this to his disciples 2,000 years ago, and every generation of disciples since understands that this Great Commission is for them. Jesus said, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. We're all commissioned to do that. And, and Peter, as I said, he, he sort of summarized those words in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. And basically he's saying, listen, uh, I've saved you so that you can go make disciples, so that you can tell people about me, so that you can proclaim my praise to other people. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at how we live a so that lifestyle in the different spheres of 
influence that we have in life. You know, the, those circles of influence that you have. And we're going to look at three different spheres. The first sphere we're going to look at, we, we call it uh, Jerusalem. And this is why we do it. From Acts chapter 1, uh, Luke, who wrote both the gospel that bears his name and the book of Acts, records these words from Jesus. He says in Luke chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's sort of a so that thing again. You know, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. We're to, Jude uh, to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let me unpack what that means. When Jesus talked about Jerusalem, that's where they were. They were in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. They were in that, in that small little area of that city. And he said, listen, in your Jerusalem is where you're going to be a witness. Now, what does that mean to us? That means in our families, in our extended families, with our friends, uh, in the places where we work, in the places where we go to school, in the places where we do our hobbies and play sports and work out and, and wherever it is, you know, your should I say, your Granby, your Simsbury, your Granville, where, wherever it is you live, that's your Jerusalem. So, uh, you know, that's the, that first level. But then he says into that next level, your Judea or, and Samaria. So that's the next level out. You know, in, um, in our culture, that might be like the county. So Judea would be the county that Jerusalem is in. Um, and Samaria would be another county. So think that one through. You know, it's expanding your geographical influence. You know, for us as a church, we've decided that's going to be Hartford, but it's also our state. It's our nation. It's really uh, the bigger sphere in which we live. Here's an important piece of that. Judea and Samaria. Why Judea and why Samaria? If you were a Hebrew and you lived in Judea, you understood why you were a Hebrew, because you were part of the Jewish faith. You went to Jerusalem, to the temple to worship. That's where all the people of Hebrew descent lived. If you were a Hebrew, you didn't live in Samaria. Why? Because Samaritans and Hebrews didn't get along. Samaritans were supposed to be, a, were considered to be a mixed heritage, both, uh, both Jewish and pagan, Gentile. And so they didn't get along. In fact, it was so bad. If you were a devout Jew and you had to go from Jerusalem due north to the area of Galilee, that would mean if you were going to go the quickest way, it would be straight north, but that would take you through Samaria. If you were a devout Jew, you would not go straight through Samaria. You would go around Samaria to get to Galilee. I mean, that's how bad it was. So think that one through. This uh, what Jesus is saying is, you're going to be my witnesses, you know, where all your people who are like you are, but then you're going to be cross-cultural. You're going to go out into a different culture that you really don't understand, and you need to share my good news. So that's Judea and Samaria. And then the last, the ends of the earth. Now, what does that mean? It means the ends of the earth. It means the whole world. Uh, and so we'll talk about that in, in the coming weeks. But we really want to focus today on our Judea, excuse me, on our Jerusalem. And, and as we do this morning, there's two stories in the Gospels that I want us to look at. And the first one is from the Gospel of Mark. So if you, if you have a Bible handy, you can open up to, God, to uh, Mark chapter 5. If you have a Bible app, you can open up to Mark chapter 5, just in the beginning. I'm going to sort of tell the story and then I'm going to hone in on a couple of verses. But Here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples have been over on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they've been in the Galilee area. They've hopped in a boat and they've crossed the Sea of Galilee. It's really not a sea. It's a huge lake called Lake Tiberias. And they're on the other side. It's Decapolis. It's, it's a Gentile area. 
They come over. As soon as they get off the boat, this man comes tearing down to the shore and, and they realize that he's not in his right mind, that, uh, you know, he's, he's possessed by a demon. And, and Mark sort of goes and tells an aside that, that this man who's possessed by this demon lives in the graveyard. He, he lives actually in a tomb and he uh, is so uh, strong uh, that he's able to break the chains that people have tried to bind him in and the, and the leg clamps that they put on his legs. And they say that all day and night, he, he screams out in torment. And he runs down to see Jesus. And he says to Jesus, what do you want with me? Actually, he says, what do you want with us? And uh, um, Jesus says, because he knows that Jesus has come to, to cast out the demons that are in him. And Jesus said, what is your name? And the, and the man says, my name is Legion because we are many. Um, and uh, as they recognize that Jesus has come to deliver this man from his demonic possessions, uh, they say, send us into the pigs. There's a herd of pigs nearby. Send us into the pigs. So Jesus does. He casts out the demons from this man, sends them into the pigs. The pigs run off into the lake, and actually they all drown, which brings up a whole other issue that we're not going to get into right now. But, but this is what happens. This man who was out of his mind, possessed, crazy, that everybody in the area was afraid of, Boom, right. He's been changed. He, he's a sane. He's been delivered from all of that demonic possession. And he is a sane, normal, functioning human being like you and I. And this is what happens. And this is what I want you to see. At the end of the story, we read this starting in verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You see what Jesus told the man? This is the first point that I want to make. He said, go to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. That's, that's not just a command to that man. It's a command to all of us that we need to go to our people, the people in our Jerusalem, the people in our families, in our, in our neighborhoods, in, our, in our, where we work. And we need to tell them all that the Lord has done for us. And that's what I was so excited about what Sherry did when, when she had the opportunity, when it, it naturally arose out of an opportunity, she didn't get shy. She didn't retreat. She said, you know, God comes first and our church family comes first and we have this opportunity. Coach, are you okay with that? I mean, very simple conversation. But she was able to tell that this was important, which implies that the Lord has done something greater. And I believe that there will be further conversations for Sherry and that coach. But here's the deal. This is what we're all supposed to do because we all have stories. That's right, plural stories of what the Lord has done for us and the mercy he has had for us. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, you've come to faith in Jesus Christ. You have a story of how you went from darkness to light. For some of you, it's amazing deliverance from a very sin-filled, crazy, in-the-gutter place to a place that seems like this demonic-possessed man. He's normal. For some of us, like me, 
You have a, a, a very sort of cerebral experience where it's, it's through your mind and, and conversations with other people and reading the Bible and through the Holy Spirit that you said, I get it. I'm not a Christian. I want to follow Jesus Christ, and I accepted him. And, and then there's stories of all, everything in between. Those are things that we need to share with people about what the Lord has done, but those aren't the only things. You know, you know, the longer that you believe in Jesus Christ, the longer you follow him, the longer you seek to be a faithful and fully devoted Christ follower, you'll have more stories. You'll have stories of how God delivered you from an illness, how God delivered you from an addiction, how he healed you, how he helped your children or your grandchildren or your neighbor or your friend or somebody else you prayed for, how God's working in your life with your job, with your employment, with your marriage, with every part of your life. I mean, I, as I thought about this this week, you know, I, I have dozens of stories about what the Lord has done in my life, how he's had mercy on me. And I believe you do too. And the more you walk with him, the longer you follow him, the more you, you, stories you'll have. But those stories don't do much unless you tell others what the Lord has done for you. And that's what we need to do. You know, God has placed us in our Jerusalem, that sphere of influence with family, with friends, with neighbors, with coworkers, with students. And we need to be open that we believe in Jesus. And not that we have it all figured out, but that we believe in Jesus. And, and it's, it's changed my life. And, and I'd love to tell you how God has changed my life. It's okay to tell people that. It's okay when you see an opening to say, this is what God has done in my life. So we need to be like that man who did what Jesus said. And here's the thing that I want you to see. How did that scripture end? And all who heard it were amazed. When people hear your stories about what God has done for you, they'll be amazed. They may not be ready to say, okay, I want to believe in Jesus, but they'll be amazed because that's who Jesus is. He's amazing. And he will amaze people when they hear what he's done in your life. So, so I want to encourage you to do that, to go to your people and to tell them what the Lord has done for you. The next story that I want to point out in Scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 9. So again, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to go through and tell the story and then get to the, the most, what I believe is the most important verse. But, but this is a, a, another story where, where Jesus and his disciples are, are going through Jerusalem and they see a man who was blind from birth. He was born blind. And they get into this sort of a theological argument about uh, sin, but, uh, but eventually Jesus goes over to the man and he makes some mud and he puts it on his eyes and he says, now go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes and you will see. So that's what the man does. You know, he, he, he goes and washes the mud from his eyes and he's amazed. He can see. He, he goes back to his home and people who see him say, you look familiar, but... You're not sitting on the street corner blind and begging for money and food. Are, are, are you that same guy? Because think about it. They've never seen him move around the area without hanging onto somebody's arm so he can get where he needs to go. They've never seen him 
turn and his head and his face and see and be able to recognize people. And, and so they're seeing him totally out of context. And so it records in Scripture, they say, are you the man who was blind? We're not sure. You don't look like him. And he goes, yes, I am. And of course, their next question is, is how did you get your sight? And he says, a man named Jesus gave me my sight. Now, in that era, they would want to confirm that and, and sort of uh, take it to a religious leader. And so they did. They, they took this man to the religious leader so he could testify to what had been happening. And they began to interview him. And it starts off really nice and good and, and until they find out that uh, he was healed by Jesus. Uh, you know, at this point, they're trying to discredit and disprove Jesus, who's uh, doing all these things and uh, making them uncomfortable about their religiosity. And, and so they at that point, get a little tense and stressed out. But then when they find out when the healing took place, which was on the Sabbath, then they get really angry because the Pharisees are basically the sin police. Uh, they they want to make sure nobody sins. And if they do sin, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And so when they find out that this man was healed on the Sabbath uh, by doing work, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And when Jesus made the mud and put it on his eyes, he worked. And when he had the man wash his eyes, the man worked. And so they, they say, well, this man, Jesus, he's a sinner. And, and they really get to this point where they're interrogating him and they want to confirm some things, even bring the man's parents in. They go, yeah, he was born blind, but now he sees. And then they begin to press and, and they begin to get afraid and they sort of stop answering questions. And they go back to the man who was healed and they said, was this man who healed you a sinner? And this is the important thing that I want you to see. He says this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. So, so this is the important thing that you and I need to know when we are sharing our love of Jesus with other people. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to be an expert on theological things or Bible verses but you are an expert on one thing. Every single one of you are. You're an expert on yourself. You know, you may not know how to answer some of the difficult questions people will give you. But this is what you do know. I once wasn't a child of God, and now I am a child of God. I once wasn't saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but now I'm saved. And we need to tell that story to others. You, you know, I know as I talk to people, some people are it's like, you know, I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm anxious. Somebody's going to ask me a question that I can't answer. They probably will at some point. People do it to me all the time. And guess what? I don't know all the answers. Pastors don't know all the answers. But this is always my promise. You know, I don't know, but I'll find out. Or I don't know, but let's, let's look at Scripture together and let's figure it out. I mean, that's all you have to do. Say, you know what? I don't know, but, but I'll find the answer. Because what you do know is how God has changed your life. You're an expert on that. And so you and I need to recognize that as God has placed us where he's put us, the neighborhood you live in, the town you live in, the state you live in, the family that you were born into with the extended family members that you have, the clubs that you're a part of, the sports activities, the gym you attend, the place where you work, the school where you take classes. That didn't just happen. 
God's placed you there so that you can live a so that life, so that you can give honor and praise to God because he saved you and he wants you to do that. You know, my challenge to all of us is that we recognize that we've been called to do that, that we have been called to be a part of what God has set into motion. You know, Scripture tells us that we're, we've been commissioned by God to do this. Scripture tells us that we were saved for a purpose and we're called to let the world know. You know, when you, when you drive on our campus, you see our mission statement, love God, love people, change the world. That comes from the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We've already gone over the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commandment, you know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And a second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So when you love God, you're not just going to love him. You're going to love people. So love God, love people. And when you love God and love people and you tell them of what the Lord has done for you, you're going to change the world one person at a time. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. So today's message is very simple, but it's also very clear. We're supposed to tell others what the Lord has done for us. And we don't need to talk to them about what we don't know, but what we do know. And that's who Jesus is to us. So I want to pray for each one of you today, that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will take this calling to heart, that we've been called and commissioned to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that the world will praise him. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us that's demonstrated in what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have, uh, you have loved us so much that you let him go to the cross for our behalf and that there he died and he paid the price for our sins. He defeated sin and death through his resurrection so that we can tell the world that we're sons and daughters of Christ, that we've been saved and they can be saved too. So I pray for each and every one of us that we will see the spheres of influence that you put us into and that we'll take that seriously, Lord, that we will understand that we have that opportunity each and every day to tell people what you have done for us and tell people what we know has transpired in our lives. I pray for the courage and the strength for each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.